Hello, this is Sean O'Neill, Senior Hospitality Editor for Skift. Today on the Skift Podcast, we feature a session entitled The Business Advantage of Sustainability that was recorded live during this year's Skift Sustainable Tourism Summit. In this session, I had the pleasure of speaking with Inga of Radisson Hotel Group and Michael of Cooler about a couple of issues that are very hot right now. A lot of decision makers in travel worry about climate change, but it often seems like a tomorrow problem. Today, many hoteliers have their hands full dealing with the chaotic recovery from the pandemic. Some are also worried about recessions and other things later this year. But talking with Inga and Michael persuaded me that there are real business advantages to be had for travel companies if they get ahead of the crowd on lowering carbon emissions. This isn't just happy talk. It was a lot of very pragmatic thinking. There's a lot of practical examples for travel decision makers. I hope you find it useful and hopeful. For information about the Skift Sustainable Tourism Summit or upcoming events from Skift, visit live.skift.com. Enjoy the conversation. Please welcome the Global Senior Vice President of Sustainability for Radisson Hotel Group, Inga Habritz, and the CEO of Cooler, Michael Galopter. In conversation with Skipped Senior Hospitality Editor, Sean O'Neill. Hello, we've got a great panel for you today. Uh, we have uh, Inga, who represents Radisson, which has about 1,600 hotels worldwide. Uh, she is joining us from Brussels. Radisson is a recognized leader in sustainability. We also have Michael. He's joining us from New York. He's the CEO of Cooler. Cooler is a company that helps other companies footprint, measure their carbon footprints. It also does other services as well. Michael, let's let's start with you. You know, I feel a lot of guilt about my travel's carbon impact, uh, but you have said elsewhere that guilt is not an, a you know a useful uh, approach towards dealing with these issues. What did you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it works at at least two levels. The first is sort of the macro level, and the second is operationally what it means in our lives. Um, you know, a lot of travel is shadowed by fossil fuels today. You know, I mean, when we when we think about re, re, um, getting off of fossil fuels, fixing global warming, fixing climate change, we're also talking about a lot less conflict over fossil fuels, a lot less conflict in the world, geopolitical conflict. Uh, places are safer. They're less smoggy and smoky. It opens it makes the world cleaner and safer and more collaborative. Um, so travel will be a lot better, actually. More places <laughs> to go with a lot less risk, both health risk and geopolitical risk. And then at operational level, you know, I mean, people just wear it. The fact is the people who really have to change are the folks emitting fossil fuels directly. The rest of us don't have, you know, Radisson doesn't have control over the smokestacks that power their hotels. They can influence it. They can shape it. They can ask for them to get better. That's what we need to do is push our supply chains, push our suppliers, push policymakers to just drive the stuff out of the market so that we can run on clean and, and green energy. Uh, I guess one last point, which I know when we talked, you guys were interested in, you know, and, and I'll, frankly, if you think hard, if you turn off your house in a good way, some, some many forms of travel are actually lower footprint than staying home, depending on where you live, what grid you're on, you know, don't leave, don't leave all the lights burning, you know, and, and, and things can be better that way too. So if you're traveling to a destination that may uh, have a lower carbon footprint once you're there and you have turned your house off effectively, you know, you might you, you, that level of travel might be different. So I think that's an interesting perspective that dovetails what we heard earlier today from Darren Wade, the CEO of Intrepid Travel and a couple other people about look, trying to accentuate the positive. There are gains to be had from this. 
Inga, uh, during the past few years, uh, you were on the executive committee of the Sustainable Hospitality Alliance. Uh, you were working to help set standards in the hotel industry to achieve some goals. And you were doing that during the peak of the pandemic. And the pandemic, you know, it was very stressful in the hotel industry, but there may, you, you have said that there are some opportunities. There's sort of things that we've learned from the pandemic that may inform how we approach sustainability. So what did you mean by that? Well, I would say that, first of all, in the hotel industry, we work really well together when it comes to sustainability. It's really not a competition. It's a collaborative effort, and we do that in practice. So we do that in the Sustainable Hospitality Alliance and in the WTTC. And what the pandemic has taught us is that very quickly, and that was within the WTTC, the hotel industry actually came together to define guidelines for safe travel. And that uh, safe travel guideline is now accepted by more than 400 destinations around the world. That was for COVID prevention. And we're actually doing the same within the Sustainable Hospitality Alliance and also in partnership with WTTC. So we have come together because the reality is guests and travelers want sustainability, as we have just seen in Jennifer's presentation. So the demand is there. And we as a hotel industry are actually providing an answer with what we call the pathway to net positive hospitality. It's four clear steps accessible for anyone starting at a basic level and going into the net positive conversation that we all adhere to and that we all subscribe to. This is not you know, taken out of thin air. This is really the hotel industries, all the majors, but also the, the smaller ones working together to define this pathway. And that's the framework that we will all use each in our own companies to then define what is the starting point of sustainability, as you see here with the hotel sustainability basics and where we need to go, because we don't want to stop at basics. We want to go to net zero and then net positive. But it's really a great collaborative effort that we are doing. Fantastic, Inga. Uh, what are a couple of levers to go to sort of a point Michael was mentioning? Uh, what are, if you're at a hotel in the hotel group, if you want to make real practical, immediate changes, but you know, maybe not immediate, but real practical changes that get you on the path to net zero, what are one or two big things that you can do? Yeah. So, what we, um, you know, it's true. When I, when I talk to some of our hotels about net zero, they really look at me as if, I'm from another planet. They have heard of me, have no idea how to start because it's so far from the reality. I mean, we were talking with Michael about travel to Africa, et cetera. So it's really, you need to make sure. And that's the reality in our group. We have hotels that are 50 rooms. We have hotels that are 2,000 rooms. So we need to make sure that it works anywhere around the world. And that's what we did with these hotel sustainability basics is we defined the 12 criteria that can get a hotel started and that is also authentic and, and clear to the traveler. So those criteria, what we have included, we have that done that cautiously is to, uh, or consciously is to say, we need efficiency in there. So we need to work on efficiency. We need to make sure that hotels start understanding what it is to have a footprint and how to reduce it. And then and have an action plan, but we don't give them targets yet when you're on a basic level. It's just know how to measure, and know that what is a good plan. And then you have planet actions, which are the actions that are in the guest experience. So you find things like vegetarian menus, green cleaning products, uh, phasing out single-use plastics. And then you find the community element also. So a dimension of community, and that's where we go into community engagement, more on the social dimension, but also what Michael was referring to earlier is work with the supply chain to help them 
be greener and be better, but also choose the right suppliers. So these are very practical things. You know, Mark Twain said, I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one. Um, so <laughs> I tell the, my boss that every day I turn in a story. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is we, we, we managed, and I'm still astounded we could manage it. We came together as hotel companies, and we said, these are the 12 points. Because you can imagine this is an iteration and iteration and iteration of conversations. But we came together to 12 points. And we made sure that these can work in, you know, in the Americas, in EMEA, mm -hmm. in China. You can scale it up globally. Right. And for any size of hotel, we really tested this with uh, independent hotels and everything. So it's really something that we all stand by and that hopefully can start providing that transparency and authenticity for the traveler. So I think that's interesting because we what's great about this conversation is we can look at this issue from two angles. So Inga can say, like, what is the way that we get hotels in? We heard earlier in today from my colleague, Heisha Wong from Skiff Research, she presented our, our data that says, uh, less than 20% of hotels worldwide have really taken any steps on the path towards uh, adjusting their carbon emissions. So um, trying to make this accessible and going up a scale in, of steps helps people along, as Inga was saying. But on the flip side, some people are like, it's too overwhelming of a process. I don't know which which are the big levers that are going to do things. And so Michael's company, Cooler, if we could bring up a slide here. When people are trying to audit their uh, carbon footprint, there's a, a traditional method for looking at it. And Cooler looks at things with what they call a finance-based accounting method. And the idea is sort of you capture, uh, uh, what are, what is, is it, maybe Michael, tell us what, what is the finance-based accounting method? Yeah, I mean, basically the, you know, there, there's a sort of a bottom-up way to calculate footprint, go into the details of everything that's happening at your facility or your product um, and go up your supply chain. And the reality is your supply chain is not transparent. It's hard. It's, and, you, and then you want to push your suppliers to do the same cycle. This is literally the cycle of what a net zero company today has to do if they use that approach. There are economic-based tools that, um, that are based on macroeconomic accounting and what each sector uses. And you can use that to for, for about 2,000 um, products and services. That's the granularity in any given economy, including hotel stays as a category. You can say, look, what is the average hotel stay in this country? Where is its footprint from? And in general, by the way, you'll find that somewhere most products between 40 and 60 percent of their footprint comes from the electricity used to make them and in their supply chain. Quite simply, this is more about the consumer experience. But we have a pie chart. Yeah, maybe if, we, if we switch to one of the pie charts, like the hospitality experience. Yeah, slide. Oh, here's an expedition cruise. So you, this is a two week ish expedition cruise to Antarctica. I would have thought, Michael, you know, if I went into it, I would have thought the main thing would be fuel. And as this analysis shows, actually, it's electricity used on the ship is number one. And then the petrol, the gas for the trucks to deliver supplies to the ship is another big thing. Is that right, Michael? And the petrol, the petrol, this also includes the petrol and the flight because it's included the internal air flight as well. So that's why gotcha. you don't usually see such a large slice for oil. It's usually electricity. But in terms of what Inga was saying, those are excellent steps. I'm gonna, I focus more directly on carbon. What's in the hands of a hotel or a, efficiency? Absolutely. You know, you can go measure what you're using this month, measure what you're using next month and make a difference. The other thing is you can do really simple things like just say, OK, we're going to focus on our electricity and our supply chain. Hey, if you're washing our sheets and drying our sheets or if you are producing certain things for us. And by the way, what grid are we on? Can we now you can't change your grid overnight if you're a hotel, but you can go talk to your utility in any country and say, where are we on solar? Where are we on hydro? Where are we on wind? We want that. Right. And then there's the resilience, the local resilience piece, which is where it's possible to think about microgrids and things that would boost the resilience of the community to to, to, to heat events and to, and to other things and have it be renewable as well. Batteries and, 
and solar and things like that. So I would say, you know, again, one way to avoid the confusion, in addition to the simplicity that Ingo was talking about, is on carbon, that kind of pie chart can say, okay, look, there's 10 slices, nothing below the top 10 categories contribute more than 1%. And one of them, electricity contributes 30 to 50%. And yes, we all know that. We know we have to start generating all electricity without fossil fuels. Simple thing to benchmark, not always easy to do, but you can just go start talking to everybody who sells you anything and say, show me the sunlight in your products, not the fossil fuel, you know, and that's a good start. That is a good start. And so Inga, how important is like making a building, like if you're a hotel operator to, 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 to green the building and make it more energy efficient, how much of that gets you looking at the 10 year perspective is like one of the biggest levers you can pull. Um, I, I wouldn't say for carbon, we need to look at a 10 year perspective. We need to look at a longer perspective. So as Radisson, we took a commitment to be net zero by 2050, but gotcha. that's far away, but it means that we need to half our footprint by 2030. And that is 10 years away. So, I mean, eight years away. So the, the point is, it's, it's uh, quite a target to achieve in eight years. And so what are the levers? We have three levers. And I fully agree with, with Michael here. One is reduce the consumption of the building, full stop. If the building uses less energy, then you have to you know, turn less energy into renewables. The second lever is a renewable energy or renewable electricity strategy, which is how do we do this at a local level and how do we do this uh, with innovation, as you see here on screen, for example, in, in the Radisson Blue in Frankfurt, but also with whatever we have six, we have a renewable energy strategy with six steps we can take and we have really defined this for our key markets. We just came out with it with playbooks, with actions, etc. So that's the second lever. And then the third one is the electrification, which means look at the buildings and see how we can turn from fossil fuels like gas over to electricity because the electricity you can make renewable. So those are the three levers that we use. Uh, and here you see one of our properties in Dubai, which is actually a grand old lady, I would say, this building. It's been around. It was our first hotel in Dubai. And what they did, the solar panels you see there is it's quite an innovative thing. And we have been told it's the only place in the world this happens. I'm not sure of that. But anyway, so it's this hotel generates 100% of its hot water by the solar panels you see. They were mounted on a specific construction to take only 20 square meters. So I don't know how many square feet that is for the American colleagues, but 20 square meters. And it does heat exchange with the cooling of the hotel. So it's super efficient. It's space efficient. And it's something that can be done in a retrofit on a hotel that is actually not the newest. So the point is that it is possible, but it does need a nudge from, you know, it needs a strategy at the group level. And then it needs help from our procurement team. It needs help from our technical team, from outside partners to make that happen. Makes sense. So, uh, Michael, I want to talk to you. Our session title is The Business Advantage of Sustainability. But I think a lot of hotel industry executives, especially coming out of COVID, they think it's uh, dealing with the sustainability is a business disadvantage because you have upfront costs of switching renewable energy costs more uh, a lot of, in a lot of experiences if you're going to build your own solar grid either at the property or away from the property if you're going to switch partners it might be more expensive making some, a lot of these changes up front if you go ahead and become a leader 
and invest some of these you cost more for double pane glass windows at, at your win hotel or something well if your competitor is not doing that your competitor is able to charge less or have a more efficient higher margins so why is there a business advantage yeah i mean i think uh I, I think the challenging piece is, I, look, I, I think the real advantage does have to do with what the prior speaker talked about, which is that consumers really want it. And what Cooler allows is for companies to make really ironclad claims, of, ironclad claims of carbon neutrality. We calculate a very conservative number for the footprint, meaning it's comprehensive. It's all the way scope three, all the way up the supply chain. And we have a really innovative way of neutralizing um, the footprint, which is we buy, you know, if you're going to feel guilty, if you want to feel like a smokestack, even if you're not, we're like, okay, we'll put you in the market with smokestacks. And we buy permits in regulated markets and retire them instead of allowing fossil fuel companies to use them. So in any given quarter, if you're carbon neutral with us, you have retired a permit that a power plant in the Northeastern United States, in the European Union, or in California would have otherwise used that quarter. Not everybody in the market can do that. I mean, that I would say it's for the first 20 or 30% of early movers, but there's more and more innovative and important what in an international speak it's called additional are you doing stuff that's actually that wouldn't happen without that money because there are strong commitments around the world there's fewer and fewer pools of that thing but some of them are very important to local communities there are permits but there's also you know the city of ithaca is trying to decarbonize it's a tiny little city in upstate new york cities all over the world i mean there's some of the greatest offsets involve replacing um wood burning stoves in villages um with efficient ones that reduce lung cancer keep women from having to walk six hours for fuel, right? Improve efficiency. Those are ironclad also types of offsets that are real. I love all the nature-based solutions that, out, that are out there. They are not quite as solid as, I don't think anyone wants to say, I'm really carbon neutral, zero off of that. But there are things you can, and for the first 20 or 30% of market make of people in the market, you can do that. And we think bold, real, simple claims that are ironclad can make a big business difference. Um, not everybody can take advantage of them, so get in fast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the for, that's the advantage of being an early mover. So yeah. Inga, I'm, I'm I'm wondering maybe if we think about we Michael had brought up the point earlier that greening your supply chain is one way to get a a, a big uh, push forward on toward your net zero goal. Uh, but to a certain extent, the hotel industry is the supply chain for other companies. If Microsoft does a lot of travel and meetings and events, if a Siemens mm -hmm. or some other big global company does that then they are under pressure from their investors and governments over the next few years to green their portfolio. They're going to want to choose hotel operators that have meetings and event spaces that are going to be more green than what the competitors have. So Radisson, you've greened some of your meetings and events. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so that's very important for us is to have that um, responsible or sustainable value proposition because we know in the B2B, we, we heard about B2C from Expedia and how the customers are demanding uh, sustainable travel, but also certainly in the B2B space, you know, all these corporates, they have set net zero targets and we are their scope three. So what we, we do is since 2019, we have made all our meeting and events around the world carbon neutral with the, exactly the projects that Michael was talking about. So the projects that have a people and a planet benefit and where we can that have additionality. So we have done that since 2019 and we have offset more than 38,000 tons on behalf of our clients. Because what we do is of course, first we reduce the footprint of the building itself and then we, uh, we offset. So it's automatic, it's free to the client and it makes it easy because it's not something we ask them to do. Um, one of the things we also always hear when it's about carbon, when we talk to meeting planners, or even when we talk to uh, B2B clients is, 
it's complicated to do this. It's a little bit what Michael said. You need to be with the right partner. You need to do it right. So the point is we do it for our clients and we offer that option also for the state so that when, you know, these big clients, we offer them transparency on what their footprint is with us. And we really engage. It's also about engaging. But for the meetings and events, they're Radisson meetings, 100% carbon neutral around the world since 2019. And we continue to do that. And we build now on that to also uh, take steps uh, more towards the stays. Okay. So some of the points that we've come up with is, Inge has mentioned, we need, the industry needs to speak the same language, needs to move past sort of the competitive approach to, to try to make sure that we're all on the same page with targeting. Michael has brought out that there are, there are clear ways to sort of like be on the same page about analyzing what your footprint is and what are the goals are. And Cooler also has some tools to help with uh, how do you communicate that, that message to consumers. So where are we in terms, this came up in some of the earlier conversations, what is the struggle to try to make this uh, to the, uh, moving back to the consumer facing part, m communicate the message to uh, consumers about what the value is when you are an early mover in sustainability? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, um, I love the net zero movement, but it is very it is an elite and managerial movement. It doesn't really it's even the term is technical and hard for people to get. And then you get into the depths of what's good net zero SBTI and who you lose people really fast. And honestly, these are long term like as Inga said, some companies are you can't make a final claim, hopefully until 20 or not hopefully, but they can't until 2050. Um, so, you know, we we do think that Cooler operates in a way to try to get people carbon neutral today or tomorrow in a couple of months. Um, we, you know, you and Inga, correct. We always want to correctly think about what can we do to reduce our footprint. But wearing that hair, the reality is you, you go in a hotel on a, on a coal fire power plant grid, you can't, you can't do it that fast, you know? So mm -hmm. you do have to move to some kind of neutralization that's meaningful and a, and a calculation that's meaningful and action on that. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that, that, that Inga's story, again, about the supply chain is telling, being able to tell your, the people you're selling to, whether it's consumers or large corporates, hey, here's the proof that we're carbon neutral. Now, are we exactly precise? There, we don't, for example, Cooler doesn't distinguish between two hotel rooms in the same city very much, right? Um, but we do we know that our number is not below that. The number we're giving you is a conservative number, and the margin, the cost of making it neutral, is lost in the marketing noise. It's not that much more expensive that we're not super precise, but we are actually carbon neutral. So being able to move fast, make real claims, and then what do you, the actions you take become very simple. Again, we're putting pressure on our supply chain to get the green electricity green. People just did that. That's good three or four years of work. And if you got there, you would be 50% more carbon neutral in addition to whatever neutralization or offset you bought. So, you know, I think I think it's really about it is about simplicity. It's not not letting guilt. You're not going to manage the details as an independent, small or even medium sized business. Um, so you need you to use general good, good numbers that are come at with high integrity and good, good neutralization. Um, and then you can make real claims that are significant and can get you more business. And that's, I think, the most because people are looking for, we're all starving for that. We're all feeling guilty. We're mm -hmm. all wanting to see action. Um, and, and I do think businesses have to lead. You can't expect consumers to take a left hand turn across traffic for cheaper gasoline, you know, like that okay. or cleaner stuff. You've got to, you know, and they trust you. You're the, you're the person selling them stuff. You know what you're selling them. They trust you if you make a real claim that's real. Okay, Inga, we have only about two minutes left. Like maybe we can end on a positive note just as we started the importance of a positive thing. I know there's a lot that is um, uh, disheartening about the situation right now, but what makes you sort of optimistic about positive steps for the hotel industry in the next couple of years and taking action? Well, I think the key thing is that we have impact. We can reach so many guests 
So we have impact to actually explain to people how they can do good by booking rights. And that is why we have that pathway with the basics as a starting point that everyone can do. And my conviction is that if we get all hotels on that train of the hotel sustainability basics, they can't get off and they need to get better to net zero. So I'm positive about that. If we see the success of it, it's a real movement and it provides clarity and authenticity. So I'm happy with that. Great. And about how many Radisson hotels are eco-certified according to your own standards? Yeah, so eco-labeling and the certification, um, like, for example, with Green Key or Uscheck, those those are the next step beyond basics. So that's yes, a real yes. certification. Uh, today, we have 238 properties around the world, and we continue to advise that. Why? Because it gives an additional step. So beyond the 12 steps of the basics, you go to about 100 criteria that a hotel needs to comply with. And then, yeah, that's that's what we do today with uh, 200 and almost 40 hotels. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I think we're going to draw it to a close there. It's a positive note to getting on. Inga, thank you very much. Michael, thank you very much. We were mentioning earlier traveling to Africa next. Have a safe trip. Thanks thank very you. much, all both of you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been the SCIF Podcast. You can find the full video of this session and a library of industry-defining videos on Skift's official YouTube channel. Visit live.skift.com for information about upcoming Skift events. Thank you for listening.